Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Huh? <laughs> right? As, as Meredith uh, shared, um, I, I texted her because uh, she and her family start listening to Christmas music way too early. Right? I, I am one of those that I, and I realize it's a fault of my own. I certainly wait till December, but I wait, wait until almost mid-December, quite honestly. Um, and you guys are shaking your heads at me, and I love it. <laughs> but I, I, so when I, when I knew that we were going to, A, be reading this scripture, and, and B, that we were going to sing this baby, I, I, I felt obligated to text Meredith in humility because I give her so much grief as she listens to Christmas music, pretty much year-round, am I right? Maybe. <laughs> why, why are we talking about Christmas on the 1st of October? Again, it's not because Walmart has their Christmas decorations out. It's because I think it's important and it's good and it's helpful for us from time to time to, to celebrate the truth of what Christmas is apart from all the wonderful but all the extra that Christmas is, right? And this passage from Philippians is the Christmas story, right? I mean, it tells us what Christmas is. It reminds us that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, right? As we sang, he was the one that hung the stars in their place. He was there for that. And he stepped away. He didn't use his power, his authority, his place as something to be exploited. But he, he humbled himself. He stepped down off of his throne. How far down did he step down from his throne? Think about some of the things that Jesus did. The king of kings got down in the mud that he made with his own spit to heal a blind man. The, the king, the second person of the Trinity that was there when everything was made got down on his knee as a moment of grace to the woman that was caught in adultery. Think about that. The king We say that Jesus is the Word of God. Remember how Jesus or how the Lord created? In the beginning, God created. He said, Let there be light, and there was. God spoke it. What did He speak? He spoke the Word. Jesus was there at the beginning. He's the one with the blueprints. And he stepped down from that to get down on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. Feet are nasty. Our king has no business touching feet. No business. And yet this is why he came. This is what he stepped down into for you, for you. This is Christmas, right? 
I mean, some of the very first ones that greeted baby Jesus would have been the critters living in the food trough where he was laid. Think about that. Bedbugs, mites. Think about this. This is Jesus who steps down to be with us, right? I mean, this isn't... This isn't Prince Harry stepping away from his royal duties, right? right? And I, I'm talking way out of my league. I don't know anything about this, but word on the street was the second stepped away from his royal duties, right? I'm pretty sure he's not doing his own shopping, right? I mean, he's no longer royalty, but he's still royal, right? That, that's not Jesus' story. Jesus steps down, to serve with humility. He came for you. He came for you. Th think about all that he left. And then think about all he came to. Th this is Christmas. Th this is Jesus. Right? This uh, hymn from Philippians 2, uh, some uh, scholars think it's the oldest part of the New Testament. It's, it's a, a, a traditional hymn. It's called the Christ Hymn, and, and we don't believe Paul wrote it here, but that it was given to him, and he kind of continued and echoed what, what the church had been saying about who Jesus is for a long time. Um, and, and so it's, it's one of the, we believe, one of the oldest parts of the New Testament. It's just a little trivia for you when you're on Jeopardy one day, but um, I, I think it's beautiful because it, it, it shares some things, and, and with that, th there are some challenges. There are some words in here that are, need, need to be unpacked because they're, they're tough to, to understand. They're tough to explain, and, and so uh, three times in the first paragraph or first uh, sentence or two, first verse or two, um, it says, be of the same mind, right? Be of one mind. What, what does that mean? Right? You have anybody in your world that thinks like you? Right? It's kind of the, the way, and we've talked about this, that, that sometimes I'm speaking, but I'm just hearing my dad's voice parroted through my mouth. Right? That happens to us. That, that's a little bit of what it means to have the same mind, that, that, that we are conformed, that we think like Jesus, that, that, that part of our faith, part of our walking in faith would be to learn to think and see like Jesus. But the interesting part is that some of the, the historical roots of the word that, that is translated here as mind, is it has to do with your gut. You ever make any gut decisions? Do you trust your gut? Yeah, we, we, we do that. That's part of our vernacular, right? Part of how we live. We trust our gut. We get a gut sense, a gut feeling about something, and we go for it. And sometimes that works out, and sometimes not. But, but it's interesting in, in the way that the, the ancient world used to understand things. Today, we, we talk about following your heart, right? You got a hard decision? Well, follow your heart. The ancient world located gut as your heart. It talked about it, the, the heart was what helped you make decisions, but it, it understood it to be your gut. So gut and heart were synonymous, right? 
And so when, when you are making decisions, when you are being of one mind, Today we say, well, follow your gut, follow your heart. I'm saying that those are kind of the same things, and I'm saying that that's, that's not the best advice. You know, Jesus never says, follow your heart anywhere in Scripture. You know what he says? He says, follow me. I followed my heart from time to time. It did not work out. <laughs> right? Following my heart gets me in trouble because you know why? My heart, well, it's covered and saturated in sin. And a lot of things that I want, a lot of things my heart longs for are things that aren't good for me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? So when, when the scripture tells us in Philippians 2, many times it says be of one mind. It says be of, be, be of a unified mind with Christ. What that's saying there is, is more than just thinking Jesus-y thoughts, right? That the life of faith is more than just thinking about Jesus. The nuance of the word here for mind is really let Jesus be a compass in you, not just to think the right things, but then to actually do the right things. That Jesus has this internal GPS that guides him. We want that for us. That our actions, our love, our service, our vision for others, that that would be guided by the mind of Christ that isn't just thinking good stuff, but thinking good stuff that leads to doing good stuff. Does that make sense? I don't want to follow my heart. I, I want to follow the heart of Jesus. Amen? And another part of this is that th this isn't really about you and Jesus. It's about y'all and Jesus, right? And I'm really trying with my southern accent. I know that it is awful. Thanks for your patience. But it is such a brilliant truth that this is a plural component. That, that this isn't about you following Jesus, it's about us following Jesus and his GPS that guides us. It, it's about our hearts synchronizing with the heartbeat of Jesus, right? What does that look like? That our heart beats at the same time. As Jesus. I don't, I don't know much about horses, but I learned this the other day, that if you are uh, in a field and there are horses, and horses of different ages, old horses, young horses, everybody in between horses, and, and if it's a field of, of different types of horses, thoroughbreds, draft, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter what the type of horse, what the age of the horse, what the ability of the horse, it, it doesn't matter, but there is an, an ancient instinct within the herd of horses that their heartbeats all synchronize together. That they begin to beat at the same time. Isn't that beautiful? And the, the biology of that or the reason for that is that 
That, that way, when someone senses danger, the herd can respond more quickly. That the herd senses something when one of their heartbeats quicken. Isn't that amazing? I want us to think, what would it look like if we here at Prince of Peace had synchronized heartbeats? That, that our hearts would beat together with the mind, the momentum, the movement of Jesus. What would it look like if we had a synchronized heartbeat that, that would respond and react to the world around us? I think that's a little bit of what Paul is saying here. Be of the same mind. Be united. Let our joy be complete. Let our love overflow together. That, that our heart would break when one of our hearts breaks. That our, our response to the needs of the community around us would be to collectively go and meet those needs in love. What would it look like for us to synchronize our heartbeats like horses? And so much of it has to do with this concept that, that Paul lifts up as Jesus humbles himself. Right? Jesus humbles himself. That, that's what Christmas is. He humbles himself. He humbles himself so that the will of the Father could be fulfilled. So if, if we think about our hearts beating together and if, if we think about us serving and going and loving and, and doing things together, I think part of the, the task of that, part of the direction of that, part of the GPS destination that God has programmed into us has that same heart of humility. Of humility, of, of service of seeking the needs of others before we seek our own. Like really, truly seeking the needs of others. I don't know about you, but man, there, there are times when I, well, I can put my head on the pillow at the end of the day and I can say, man, that was a good day, I did some good things. been there those are good days but but there are plenty of times when man I have opportunities that are put before me and I kind of put the blinder on and say maybe they won't see me or, or I can justify well I'm tired today I don't have time today my my schedule's packed today I'm at the end of my limit today I, I've given 
enough today. I've done enough. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't have any margin, right? And, and, I, and I get that, and I'm, I'm not belittling that. But I think there, there's something profound that we can learn to Jesus. If we're looking to him as the unifier, if we're looking to him that, that our heartbeat would synchronize with him, I think it's important for us to look to him and say, Lord, what does your heart beat for? What does it look like on the tough things when, when we don't want to anymore? And in those moments, I always go here. You know where that is? It's the Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus went and he prayed. And specifically at that place, he prayed, Lord, I don't want (laughs) to take this cup from me. I don't want what you're calling me to do. I don't want to, Lord. And I think that's one of the most beautiful and honest prayers that we can pray. Lord, I don't want to. This is hard. I'm tired. It's too much. And how did he end that prayer? with that beautiful, humble submission again that says, not my will, your will be done. That's how far down Jesus came. He came down so far that he traded his throne for a cross. Think about that. What what if we, in our synchronized heartbeat that is formed and directed by the Lord, could honestly pray, Lord, I don't want to. And by the Spirit, Echo, but it's not my will, Lord, that I'm seeking, that we're seeking. It's your will. And so lead us and guide us. That's what I think it means when it talks about working out your salvation at the end of today's lesson. You're not in charge. It's not up to you that if, if you are disobedient, if you fail in humbling yourself, if, if, if your heart is in AFib from the community, your salvation is not at risk. Right? Because we all go into AFib. We all fail. Our hearts beat erratically. Every one of us. Working out your salvation isn't about you and your time with the Lord for eternity. That that chapter has been written. Working it out is, what does it mean for you today? If this is true, what difference does it make in your life, in our life 
now. Because the the good news, the powerful word of Jesus is, is simply this. He stepped down from his throne and he stepped onto the cross. That there will be a day when every knee shall bow on earth, in heaven, and under earth. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess, you are the king. That's gonna happen. What would it look like if we lived as though it were true? What would it look like if the way we live together is the announcement team that says, guess what's coming? Guess what's coming? And we did so not just with words, but with love and joy and action. This is our calling. This is who we are. So let's go. In the name of Christ. Amen.